Good evening. Happy Juneteenth to everyone out there. Happy Father's Day to Mr. Willie Gibson. James, not a father yet. Somewhere in the future, he'll be one. I'm not a father yet. I'm 50. So, but anyway, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. And welcome to another edition of Folks Talking Sports on our Folks Talk Sports Twitter account, the Houston Roundball Review YouTube channel. And for the time being, my personal Facebook page. We're going to expand on that hopefully in the future. But to do that, we're looking for some sponsors to help pay for those expenses because destinations like that cost money. And, you know, why go into your pocket if you have a sponsor who can support you in your goals and dreams and aspirations? Without saying all that, James Mueller, you're not a father, but tell your dad Happy Father's Day from us, Full Talk Sports, to him. Hope you had a good day. Hope you took care of your dad today, James. Did you? Uh, well, I mean, I, I texted with him. He was actually at the U.S. Open, so oh, um, <laughs> pretty good Father's Day for him. I know that. Um, yeah, and that I just that just finished. I've yeah, I finished about fifteen minutes ago. So yeah, yep. for those who want. So yeah, Willie Gibson again. Happy Father's Day to you, my man. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Well, James, we're waiting for the fourth uh, member of the group, Andy Yanez, to to join us. But will you and me have to uh, bite the bullet and give James Mueller credit because he picked the Warriors to win the NBA Finals over Boston? And I think, well, you first said in five, right? I said right, James? five, yeah. Okay. So, but you were the, the only one of the four to pick the Warriors to win the Finals. So, congratulations, sir. Kudos to you. Let's talk about it. Was it? James, let's go first. I don't want to say Boston lost it. Just what are your thoughts on the series, the last three games, the finals overall, whatever angle you want to talk from, just your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I talked to you a little bit about this, but Boston's bench was the biggest concern for me going into it. Um, they didn't really have much guard depth outside of Derek White, and um, while he was great all playoffs, I, d I didn't expect him to you know, play to the level he had throughout the finals, and that didn't carry over throughout the entire finals. And then Peyton Pritchard was basically forced to play when he didn't, he, he, he wasn't helpful at all out there. So that was what concerned me a lot um, going into it. And obviously with the veteran experience of the Warriors that also, you know, played a factor, but in the end, I mean, great experience for Boston, but your stars got to get better. Um, they can't, you can't win an NBA championship playing like that. Um, and so, I mean, I was surprised that uh, the Warriors sort of blew them out in game six. I'll say that. I thought it would be a little closer, especially it being, you know, in Boston at the Garden. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the Warriors were the better team in that series and took it. And joining us is Andy Yanez, the fourth member of, of the foursome. Andy, we're giving James credit for being the one to get the final prediction mm -hmm. right. So we're letting him bask in the glow of uh, – being correct. So, Will, you're next. What are your thoughts overall on the final series from a Boston perspective, Colorado State perspective, or just your thoughts in general? Yeah, to uh, acknowledge my Houston uh, crowd that we're with now, never underestimate the heart of a champion. You know, to go Rudy T on you a little bit. They, um, Golden State, they've been there before. You know, this was the seventh finals for uh, Steph. Draymond, Clay, Steve Kerr, and staff. So even though they were down at points of the series, they knew what it took to get back in the series. They knew what it took. And, and Boston didn't. You know, to James' point, the, the bench, definitely um, Brad Stevens has some work to do in the offseason to upgrade the second unit. Um, Peyton Pritchard, truthfully, probably had no business playing at any point in these playoffs. But he was forced to play due to the, the lack of depth on that bench. But um, Jason Tatum, we've heard a lot, or I've heard a lot, definitely about um, the moment being too big for him. You know, this is his first final. He's 24 years old, uh, things of that nature. And he, whether it's too big for him or not, he has the experience now. You know, someone's going to win, someone was going to lose. They lost, he has the experience. Now he knows in all season what to take it to the lab with him to improve, to get ready for next season. Jalen Brown, uh, same thing. Marcus Smart, same thing. Uh, I mean, Udoka, the same thing. I mean, in January, we thought this team would be in the finals. So, not, none of us. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. right. 
So kudos to him and his staff. Yes, they lost, but in January, this team was 23 and 26 or 23 and 25, something along that line. So for them to do whatever they did to turn to right the ship and get to the sixth game of the NBA Finals on their home floor, I mean, kudos to them. Andy, what are your thoughts overall? Since you, Andy, did you guarantee it? I guaranteed it. I had Boston in six and. And uh, since the moment the game four went awry, I was really, really uh, iffy on that pick, especially once it was 2-2 back, going going back to Golden State. Uh, I think talking specifically about game six and then Will, he brought it up. Um, just really the lack of depth that the Celtics had. And you look at the Warriors and, um, I mean, going back to what I said uh, last week and just kudos to Andrew Wiggins with the, the strong performance he had I believe he was in game four and game five back to back I mean he had um double doubles in both I believe he had 16 rebounds mm-hmm. in game four uh I believe and, and really he just took his game to a whole number, another level he was easily uh, the second best player in the entire series behind only Steph Curry um and we, we talked about this after game five with just how bad Steph Curry had struggled from the field he didn't hit a single three-point basket in game five and somehow the Golden State Warriors still won it seemed like uh, the writing was on the wall for the Celtics albeit game six crowd the TD Garden was energized the Celtics jumped out to an early, early lead it looks like you know they have some home cooking going um but like Will said the experience from the Warriors they didn't you know let the wheels fall apart they stayed together they made their run, and literally the moment after the Warriors made their run, they got back in the game. That was pretty much it for Boston. They were not able to recover, and, and it really seemed like um, that's the Celtics were the ones that had the wheels fall apart. The train was smoking, but it was blowing. Whatever analogy analogy you want to use in the midst of the worst 21-0 run, at the end of the day, um, that Warriors proved me wrong. They were clearly uh, the more experienced team, and they were the more uh, more talented team. Yeah, Kiev Cook. I always give uh, credit to the team that won the championship. They took advantage. They did what they were supposed to, do to win. Um, Boston, their lack of guard depth really shined through. Derek White, such a key to Boston's success, and when he struggles, last two games he combined for one for ten from the floor, five points. 0 for 5 on three-point attempts in those last two games, game five and six. Boston lost the series in game four. When they collapsed on the stretch in game four, had a chance to go up 3-1 and didn't. The series was over. It was over right there. The inexperience, all of you have said it. I underestimated how important experience is in the finals. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, Tatum especially, seemed like he had no idea how to handle Golden State's defense. From any angles, he, he just tossed the ball all over the floor. I mean, he struggled with turnovers throughout the playoffs. But in the finals especially, he was more successful from three than he was from two. And he did a poor job of breaking down the defense when he had the chance. When Jalen Brown was too inconsistent. Marcus Smart. You know, it's if you don't have a low post game, you're not good at it, not effective at it, just because you're bigger than somebody guarding you doesn't mean you can post them up. Okay. They tried to post up Steph, Marcus Smart. Okay. That'd be good if Marcus Smart had a low post game, <laughs> you know, a low post game worth a damn. He doesn't, he does, he does not. So going down there, asking him to do things he cannot do. So that made the offense more disjointed. So it was more of a problem. And a few times they went with Al Horford in the post. Al Horford showed his age. What he 36? He struggled in the, low, in the low post. So you're asking players to do something they're not, they're not good at anymore or, or good at at all. And Steph was Steph. Steph, I think, stole Derek White's soul at some point in this series, and Derek White never got it back. You saw it down the stretch. Derek White was, you know, stuttering, pausing on taking shots. He was, should, should I shoot this? Should I shoot that? Pass to me open looks. And then the defensive breakdowns, as good as Robert Williams is in glimpses, you could see some of the things defensively on breakdowns he had. Like, young fella, you need to go back and watch the film room because you, you still don't know what you're doing on defense either. So that's that's an issue. But when Andy um, has some buffering issues with him, get him back in a second. But when I ask him when he comes back, do you guys believe, yes, Boston is young? 
okay? But not every young team gets back to the finals, okay? So it's, it's not a guarantee they're going to get back to the finals next season because we could argue a healthy Bucks team would have beat, beat Boston this year. So, you know, thank you, Jamil, for that, that comment. Um, so do you guys think Boston will get back to the finals in the next two out of three seasons? James, you first. Uh, yeah, just because I don't think they'll get back next year. Um, but I think two or three years they'll probably get back if I had to lean towards that just because Tatum and Brown are still so young and um, they weren't playing to their full potential at all and they still got this far. And so I think, you know, if, if they get things right and they sh- and they add those role players, because role players were a huge thing that the, uh, the Celtics were missing this whole season, I think, you know, two, three years from now, we'll see the Celtics back in uh, that's a similar position. Well, what, what do you say? Will Boston get back to the finals in the next three, three seasons? I'm going to say no. And, and why not saying they're not good, but you look at the East. Not to be biased, but Cleveland is coming. Yep. Chicago is coming. Milwaukee is there. Um, you look at a team like, and not saying they're there now, but in three years, Indiana, with the retooling they're doing, could be there. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't it's know. It's hard to say. In, in four years, I think Detroit will be there, too. Exactly. Detroit. I, I, I exactly. think so as well. But, uh, Andy, what do you say? I, the question I ask you, was asking was do you think Boston because it's not a guarantee that's because they're young and talented that they'll return to the finals in the next two three years what do you say Andy oh yeah I agree we will and then you got to point out just look at uh, all the other teams in the east um I agree where Milwaukee I mean they didn't have Chris Middleton for that series the next game that series went seven games um they have a full healthy squad maybe it's Milwaukee the ones that are advancing it really seemed like you know you can make the argument that this is the best chance that Boston's gonna have um certainly on winning a championship uh it, it'll be difficult and obviously of course the big question mark in the Eastern Conference I guess the two question marks have got to be the Brooklyn Nets uh with Kevin Durant whatever um how they figure out to plug in Ben Simmons and play do they keep Kyrie Irving uh they're going to be a question mark but they they do have pieces there that they're they're You'd imagine they're going to make some noise in the Eastern Conference. And then, of course, Philadelphia with Joel Embiid. Um, can James Harden bounce back in the offseason? I think both two teams are going to certainly make some noise. And then I agree absolutely. You look uh, top down in the Eastern Conference, you have the teams like Chicago that are not necessarily there yet, but they're making moves. And you look at Boston and those two, I mean, that's really the two pieces that are, that are going to be the core for the Celtics and Tatum and, and Brown. Um, I think, like Will said, in terms of what Brad Stevens has to add, and we talked about this a little bit, but I feel like Boston needs to add a true uh, facilitator and, and not to take away anything until what Marcus Smart brought to the table. But I think without a, a true type of facilitator, I know initially I, I made the argument it'd be a true point guard, but maybe, I mean, heck, the Warriors don't have a true point guard. You brought it up, Chris, but they had Draymond Green who can be that facilitator. I got a, I got a name for you guys. We're going to tie it into Caleb Beasley somewhat his question. Cause he's a rocket right now. How about Mr. Wall? How about Coach Wall, A Wall, John Wall? How about how about if he ever comes to his senses and agrees to a buyout? Because Boston's not going to trade for John Wall. But if and when John Wall agrees to a buyout, do you think John Wall could help Boston get over that hump and be a facilitator like Andy suggested? I want to say yes, but then my mind tells me he hasn't played in two years. Well, he could, be, so, he could be better than uh, Peyton Pritchard. Well, oh, without question. Well, right? Without question. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, good point. Good point. So, yeah, that could be. That James? could be. Yeah, I think he takes the team to another level just because of he's a veteran and his experience. Obviously, he's dealt with injuries a lot. He hasn't played in a while, like Will said. So there's question marks there. But I do think that he's an upgrade. I mean, anyone would take John Wall over Peyton Pritchard um, and just that veteran leadership um, among that guard group um, would be big for Boston. I don't know if it's enough to win them the championship, but I do think, um, I mean, if, if he's bought out by the Rockets, then that's definitely a name that Boston should consider. Andy, what do you think? I, I actually disagree. I don't think they need someone that's as ball dominant as John Wall. I think they need someone that can be a true 
facilitator and to make just make the, the lives easier for Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum. And I think John Wall can do that in flashes. But I think at the very least, what he's shown here in Houston and, and what he showed in Washington, um, he's really a much more ball-dominant guard. And I'm not necessarily sure about the fit now. Granted, I think he could prove me wrong. But if I had to pick today, I'd say probably not the best fit. And I still would, when it's a healthy Milwaukee team, I would pick Milwaukee over Boston, even with John Wall. Oh, I think can I ask a question? Go oh. ahead, Will. I'm sorry, just to my Houston brethren, because that struck a thought. Two-part. What reason would the Rockets have to not offer John Wall a buyout at this point? And then two, why wouldn't he accept a buyout or request a buyout at this point with one season left on the last year of his deal? He, He's stubbornly holding on to the fact he wants as much of that $47 million as possible. Okay. The Rockets need to agree to a buyout. I think the Rockets would love to make it around 20 million. John probably wants 35 million. The Rockets would probably settle for 25 to 27 million. And then it's a question of what John wants. John Wall is not playing a game with the Rockets anymore. But if he wants to win and compete, if he's such a competitor, he needs to agree to a buyout. And then the question about his fit, we don't know what John Wall, any team is going to get. Is he going to be the John Wall who, who tries to be the man again? You know, he's not he's no longer the man. Is he going to be the John Wall who just wants to fit in to help a team like Boston, you know, as an example? because he probably wants, wants to go to Miami, but give him a chance to win a championship and he'll fit in and do his part. We don't know. We're, we're assuming things. Hell, we're still assuming he's going to agree to a buyout, <laughs> you know, which he needs to do because he's not going to play with the Rockets. Now I'll go back to Caleb's suggestion about the Rockets uh, packaging a deal and sending Eric Gordon to the Warriors for, for Kaminga. Mm. Why, why are the Warriors do that? Yeah, you take you taking Absolutely. Jordan Poole's minutes. Why why, why would the Warriors do that? They're already going to they're, they're going to keep their core. I mean, that's the word out Friday, Saturday. Jordan Poole is that part of the core? Drew Wiggins part of that core? So they're going to continue paying tax after tax, luxury tax, whatever. They don't they're printing money over there in the Bay Area, so they don't have an incentive to trade for an older version of Jordan Poole. You know, Eric Gordon is a much better defensive player than Jordan Poole, without a doubt. But offensively, Jordan Poole gets buckets. And he wants to be there, and he's younger. And at some point, when Steph is making his 50 million plus, you know, salaries in the next few years, Father Time will catch up with Steph like he does with all players. And they'll need Jordan Poole to step into that role more. So they already got some of their young pieces there. What are your thoughts on what I said sit right there, James? You first. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Um, the main thing is, like you said, Eric Gordon's just eating up minutes there when they don't need someone at that position. We saw Jordan Poole showed so much improvement this year. They Golden, in Golden State, they believe you know he can be that guy once you know Steph is gone that you know that can carry on that legacy. And so, like you said, why why take on a, another contract like Eric Gordon's and you know a guy who there's some unknowns, you know, he's had injury concerns over the past, you know, latter half of his career. And you honestly have no need to plan because you're just hurting your future development um, of, of your younger guards. Andy, what do you say? No, I absolutely agree. Especially when it comes to that trade. Um, I think Eric Gordon is going to be a valuable piece that can help a contender. I don't think he's a valuable piece the Warriors need at all, especially not for Kaminga with the ceiling that he has and uh, really how high they are on him. I mean, depending on who you ask, some people might say that he has a higher ceiling than uh, James Wiseman, which is still yet to be seen because of uh, Wiseman's um, really lack of, of ability this past season uh, to being able to get on the court. But I don't think it doesn't make sense for the Warriors whatsoever, especially uh, just coming off a championship, you have this young core. There's no need for a trade package for Eric Gordon, um, not for the Warriors. Well, what do you say about it? Agreed. I mean, that's I agree with both Andy and James. I mean, Kaminga's in a rookie deal. Why would you trade a rookie deal 
for, if not a match player, someone near a match deal. Uh, uh, no. And, as as Andy said, you, this young core, Poole, Kaminga, Moody, when Steph and Clay and Draymond begin to take a step back, you have those players, those pieces in place to, to fill in the gap. So I don't see Eric Gordon a fit at all for, for Golden State. And James Wiseman with the, I think he had two different procedures, and he's, I think, getting close to being cleared for some summer league stuff. So if he's healthy enough to stay on the court and be productive, then their young core gets even stronger going forward. Yeah. So that's a big if. He's, he's got his health issues could be problematic and chronic. So we'll see if he can get healthy and stay healthy going forward. But if he does, that's he adds another piece to the young core, you know, with Poole, Kaminga, and Moody. So the Warriors could be set for a while. So why rock the boat there? But to that point, next. to that point. Go ahead, Will. Oh, no, ahead, Will. To that point, to that point, what if they drafted Bellow Ball instead of Wiseman? How's he fit? Just throwing it out there. Yeah, you know, it, it'd be a different kind of team, a little bit. Yeah. But let's yeah. go with DeAndre Aiden. Should the Rockets make a trade for DeAndre Aiden? And if the trade, and let's go backward. Let me go, let's, let's back up and touch on the Christian Wood impending deal that will be finalized on 23rd on draft night to Dallas. When y'all first heard about the deal, what was your initial reaction? I thought about what you well, said. I'm just to be honest. Which was what? That that was coming. That, that was coming. Andy, what what do you think? I was going to say from the Dallas perspective, uh, it makes sense offensively. I don't necessarily see the, I don't see them working. I don't think it moves the needle when it comes to Dallas, to be uh, quite frank. And and really, it has nothing to do with what Christian Wood brings to the table offensively. I think it has more to do um, with his lack of defense, um, especially when it comes to having a guard. Um, you know, other big men in the league, especially if he has to guard in the West, Carl Anthony Towns. Um, who knows what happens with DeAndre Ayton if he's still with Phoenix or anywhere else, Nikolai Jokic. Christian Wood cannot guard those guard um those centers. They cannot guard those big men. And I'm gonna be even I harsher than, than you Andy. That. I'm gonna be Go even harsher. He doesn't want to guard those big men. I think he can. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want the physical contact. Okay, because everybody who's tuning in and follows me on Twitter, YouTube, whatever, I'm a defense first guy. All right. And first thing first, you have to want to play defense. I don't believe Christian Wood wants to play defense. And then that leads to his other issues about running from big men, (laughs) getting punked (laughs) by guards, you know, all those other things. He's an offensive guy. That's what he actually wants to do. James, get, get your thoughts on it as well. Do you think it's on Jason Kidd to make Chris Wood a better defensive player? Or does it start with Chris Wood on defense, him wanting to be a better defensive player? I mean, it starts with Christian Wood, in my opinion. Um, like you said, player can have all the talent, all the you know measurables, but if they don't want to do something and they're not going to put in the energy and effort to get better – then it's going to waste and um, they're not going to, they're not going to improve. And so it's got to start, you know, Jason Kidd, Dallas staff can push Christian Wood as hard as they want to improve on the defense. But unless, until he fully commits and buys in and says, you know what, I'm going to be a great defender. I'm going to do things that, you know, I haven't done in the past. Um, I'm going to sacrifice my body. I'm going to do all these things. Then I don't care what Jason Kidd tells him because Christian Wood's the ultimate one that has to make the decision. Um, and he's the one who controls what he does out there. So um, it starts with Christian Wood. Do any of you guys believe the light bulb will go on in Christian Wood's brain and stay on permanently or at some point in the season, and I'll be nice, at some point in October, November, early in the season, where he gets uh, – he smells himself and goes to Luca and demands more touches? Hmm. Which one's more likely? Yeah, yeah. What do you think is what happened? The light bulb staying on, he realizes it's Lucas' team, or he's like, I want more touches. I don't care who you were. I'm Christian Wood. 
I want more more touches. Ooh. Man, I can't say there's no way he goes up to Luka Doncic and tells him he demands more touches um, on the Dallas Mavericks. That'd, man, that, that would get him on the first flight out of Dallas. There's no way he would do that. I would, I would have to say just because of how of how blasphemous that sounds that you'd have to go that he's going to, the light bulb will go off and he's going to commit to playing defense. Especially if at the end of the day, Jason Kidd and that coaching staff can convince them to, to buy into what the Mavs' goal will be to get over the hump and win an NBA championship. James, what do you say? I don't know. I mean, in Houston, granted, Houston didn't have, you know, that star like Luka is, but Christian Wood obviously wanted to be pretty ball dominant. I wouldn't be surprised if he wanted to be that 1B to Luka's 1A. He is not going to be that um, just because Luka's on a different level. But I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised. I don't think, like, he'll go over the top, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he had a few conversations about, you know, I want a few more touches here and there. Um, Will, what do you say? Let me ask a question just before I, I answer it. Um, did he do that in Houston, the man more touches? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, he did that in Houston when it's 12 rookies in him. But in Dallas, I don't think he carries that cachet. I don't think he knows that. I think he did that in Houston because he knew he thought he could. But in Dallas, I don't I, – I mean, you guys know him better than I. But I can see him like, okay, I'm in Dallas now. I got a Hall of Fame head coach. I got a guy who's arguably top three player in the league right now. I would hope that he would have enough sense to not do something like that. But again, you guys know him better than me. And, and keep in mind, all signs point to the Mavs re-signing Jalen Brunson. So he'd be the third option in Dallas. Mm -hmm. Do you think Christian Wood would go to Luca and Jalen and say, yo, guys, I want more touches, man. Y'all didn't see me down there on the, on the block? <laughs> I mean, I, I think that's an issue. Yeah. It's, it, it's on him to change, okay? Because I saw him with Detroit. You know, I saw him have flashes of brilliance. But when I told people, I told people here, colleagues here in town, Detroit is not, was not happy he left. Okay? Trust me when I say that. They, they don't miss Christian Wood. They didn't miss Christian Wood. So I, I laugh when some colleagues would ask about, you know, when, when the Rocks are about to face the Pistons. And Christian Wood always would say, he'd always be asked a question, do you have something to prove to Detroit? And he'd always say, yeah. Detroit couldn't care less about Christian Wood. <laughs> They're like, good riddance, whatever. But it's on him. Offensively, he has talent. I think all of us agree with that. Big man who can shoot threes. Big man who can score in different ways. But he needs to understand who he is and his role on teams if he wants to win and not just put up numbers on losing teams. Because more and more people believe he just puts up numbers on losing teams. And I'm, this was asked me last night in Let's Talk Houston Rockets. I'm bringing it up to you guys. Rockets made the trade for, for, for four players who probably won't even make the roster in October, November, definitely not past December. And the Mavs 26th pick in this upcoming NBA draft. The question I'm going to ask you, do you guys think that's the best the Rockets could get for Christian Wood? I mean, I think the first round pick is pretty good no matter like where it was just because Christian only has one more year on his deal. So there's no guarantee he re-signs where, you know, they, if another team wanted him, there's no guarantee that he re-signs with whoever, you know, he gets traded for. So I think that played a factor. Um, and so I think, honestly, I, w I thought the Rockets did a – I thought it was a pretty good deal for the Rockets. Um, but maybe they could have gotten a little more. But I think a first-round pick was – I mean, th their front office should be should be ecstatic about that. Andy, what do you say? No, I absolutely agree. Just getting that first-round pick, uh, getting Christian Wood out um, of, of 
Houston. Uh, I know that might sound a little harsh, but I think especially when you look at the top three guys that, you know, it's certainly starting to look like uh, in some order it's going to be Jabari Smith and Holmgren, one and two, which has uh, Banchero falling three. Um, you certainly didn't want Christian Wood by then. And like James said, especially if he stays, the longer he stayed, talks of an extension go on if, if it's clear that they're not going to sign an extension then i see the bad his value going down i think that was the perfect time to execute a trade and to get a first round pick where you could package it um you know down the line for for another player or moving up i think that certainly uh was the best interest for the rockets will what do you say you think it's the best deal the rockets get for christian wood i would think so i mean as you said the, the four players you know chris Boban. Um, Sterling Brown and Trey Burke probably won't be there in October for camp. That was his money, you know, salary filler. But the pick was the the crown jewel of the, of the trade, if you will. So essentially, Christian Will for the 26th pick. Yeah, I think that's about as much as they could have gotten. On the last year, as James said, last year was deal. Which goes back to, I think, our overriding point. Christian Wood, yes, going into last year of his deal, but a late first-round pick. So he needs to look in the mirror and realize his value across the NBA as a late first-round pick and four fillers. That's what you're worth across the NBA, Christian Wood. Okay, so because look at it, let's look at this. I'm really tossing stuff out there now. Let's say if the Rockets believe so much in Christian Woods as a player, Person, skill set, all those things. Leader, everything. Don't you believe that a tandem going forward of Christian Wood, Ben Carroll, and Shingun would have been effective? One of them would come off the bench. You could do the Cavs route sometimes, go big, have all of them play you know, front line at the same time, make it work. I'm really being negative now, put it out there that the Rockets wanted a first-round pick for Chris Wood to get rid of him because they didn't believe he was a part of the answer going forward. Because Alpin Shingun, he's not the perfect player yet. Bancaro, rookie, he's got some question marks, mainly on defense, but they did not want to even see it work in, in October, November. <laughs> They're like, no, 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 we're good. We're getting a first-round pick for this man? Yep. And they're trading him in the division in the state. So they're like, eh, let him go up to Dallas and do whatever he does. We're not worried about him anymore. I think that is <laughs> that says more about him as well, too. Thoughts on that? No, I absolutely agree. And especially um, when you go back and you, you like I said, it looks like uh, Banchero is going to be the one that they end up picking at least one of those. Um, forward, I think, especially after last season with the controversy that happened, um, you said Christian Wood was demanding more touches. I think maybe the front office just didn't trust him to be uh, a good player to be around the young core. Where to imagine, um, at the end of the day, they felt that his you know negatives were far greater than any positives that he could bring to the table, and certainly anything that could be of a potential long term. Uh, core, um, they didn't believe that Christian Wood was a part of that picture. James? Yeah, I 100% I agree as well. I think the Rockets saw Christian Wood as a guy who, you know, was more about himself than the team overall. Uh, he wasn't willing to, you know, completely buy in. Um, like you said, rather put up his own numbers on a bad team than, you know, work on stuff he struggles at um, to try to help the team overall. And so I think, yeah, this was a way or a way for the Rockets to, you know, just deal him out. Because like you said, if they, if they even had some hopes of him working out, why not give it a few months with Bancaro and Shingun? Um, the fact that they've done it before the draft, you know, there, there's no hope there. So I think Houston, you know, was searching. And um, once, once they, the Mavs presented them this deal, they're like, we're going to take it. We don't know if we're going to get something else. Um, and it, it, it helps us move forward. Well, what do you say? I agree. I mean, that's they, they clearly, I mean, GMs and front offices know their long range, short term plans. And they knew with him being the last year of his deal, they've seen him for two years. So they knew what they had and they knew what they wanted going forward. So, you know, there was no role that they saw for Christian Wood. 
you know, whether that he assisted them in, in seeing that or not, they, they knew he wasn't an answer for them. So why not maximize the talent now before the draft? Because if you wait till October, November, he gets on the court, anything can happen. He sprains an ankle, he tears an ACL, he doesn't perform as well. And then you're looking at two second-round picks, which come a dime a dozen in the NBA. So the fact that you've got a first-round pick, 26 late, yes, but it's a first-round pick nonetheless for him. I, I I view that as a win, but I'm thinking I'm just you know you tell me I'm no I'm just asking questions tonight, but on Thursday you know we've talked about Carroll three. What happens if it's Smith Van Carroll one two? Is Chet Holmgren yeah the pick at three? Yeah, I don't I don't I don't. The Rockets are going to take one of the best three. Yeah, I don't. I mean, if the Rockets and they they love guards, yes, but they're taking. I'd be. No, wow. Anything's possible. You know, there's a slim chance they would take Jay Ivey. But no, I think it's going to be one of the three big men, skilled big men. So okay. we'll see on, we'll see what happens. Draft starts at 7 Central. The Rockets be picking around, what, 7.30 or so, barring a trade, up or down. But I think one of the final, well, Rockets probably had their mind made up already. But the Rockets' young core. Usman Garuba, Jalen Green, Josh Chris for the young guys were in town working out. Okay. Last few weeks. Christian Wood was not part of that group. Okay. So the young core, the what I've considered the foundation, LPs, I think, been overseas most of the time, which is expected. No one, you know, he already said that before the season ended. But the young core was working out in town. And Christian Wood was not part of that. Team chemistry, wanting to build, whatever you want to call it, you know, all those things. And he wasn't here. You're, you're vet. You're veteran. Yes. You're supposed to be one of your leaders in the locker room. Jalen Green, Josh Christopher, Jason Tate, we're good. Hey, he, he, let him do what he wants to do. We're good. We're doing what we want to do. So I, I think that also played a part in it. Jason Tate, Will has changed his uh, three-point shot. His most on it looks pretty good. It's more efficient. Streamlined, streamlined a little bit. So the threes are falling more now. Of course, it's June. Let's see what they do come October and November. But he's working on his game already. So that's positives for the Rockets going forward. Rockets got one more veteran who's supposedly on the uh, trading block if a team is willing to give up a first-round pick. Eric Gordon, do you think a team will trade for Eric Gordon and give up a first-round pick this summer for Eric Gordon? Before Ooh. Thursday? In, the, no, in this draft? Whatever. No, no, just, tr- just trading, give up to get Eric Gordon, a team, whatever it is. It's Thursday, which I, I kind of doubt, but you know who knows. Right. A, fu- a future first-rounder for Eric Gordon. A future first round pick, I could see that, but I'd imagine if, well, again, at the end of the day, I, I'm not too sure what was offered during the trade deadline this past season, but I imagine if a team it wasn't really a first wanted rounder. to, give, <laughs> that's what they want. Well, and that, the first rounder. that answers that answers the question right there. They've no team, especially those you know on the cusp, especially this year where it seemed like it was a lot more wide open. Um, certainly than previous years in the past with with who could have won. If no team, especially no team that was like on the cusp of, of trying to get over the top, wasn't really going to offer a first round pick for Eric Gordon, I don't really see anyone else doing it now. Will? But maybe a like four year future first, like down the line. I mean, you know, that Rockets probably would accept a 2024 first. You know, getting past that, you know, we're getting into conditions and all that kind of stuff. That's probably too far down the line. They just keep Eric. Because his salary next season is not guaranteed. So then they could just say, thank you, EG. Thank you very much for your time. You know, let him go unrestricted. But a, a team, Philly was tossed out there. Do you think Philly would trade for Eric Gordon? I mean, Daryl Morey knows him, knows his game. He's a, good, he's a good guy, good player, good leader, offense, defense. Do you think he would trade a first-round pick for Eric Gordon? And then... For any of you three, 
it, this was tossed out in the comment section. Do you believe the Rockets run the risk of having too many first-round picks on this roster? Because I, if they keep all three this Thursday, which I still kind of doubt, they'd have seven first- or second-year players on this coming season's team. If they trade and get another first-round pick, because they still got the future picks going forward, you know, from Brooklyn, uh, they get one from the Bucks next year, and then OKC in 24. But how many first-round picks on a, on a current roster is too many? For a you know, young team, is too many youngsters, basically what I'm trying to say. Um, I can see, you know, I kind of played around with this myself. Um, I can see them packaging 17 and 26 to move up. So it leaves them with two. I don't know. That's just something, you know, maybe three and 11 with the Knicks. I'm not, I don't know anything. I'm just throwing that out there. So I, I'm, I'm wondering if, if the Hornets at 13 would, would accept 17 and 26. I thought about that. Mm -hmm. But Andy, what do you think? If the Rockets is seven guys, 20 or younger, too many on an NBA team. Yeah, I absolutely can see that argument, especially when um, you look at, uh, for the majority of these guys, with the exception of a couple, I mean, a lot of them, they haven't even had like three years in the league. And at the end of the day, I know that, um, you know, when you're, you're in a rebuilding phase, you want to establish some sort of culture and, and not not to sound like i shouldn't use that word because then i'm gonna sound like the houston men's basketball the u of h basketball team but um when you have a team that's so young um you don't necessarily have a lot of veteran presence that can kind of you know lead them through the weeds of an nba season and i think that's something that they've had to benefit the last couple of seasons where they still have guys like eric gordon uh albeit maybe we, we kind of uh, tore down christian wood in the previous segment but um, I'm sure he could provide some type of guidance to the, to, to some of the younger players, um, guys in the past um, that, that have just been around the league, uh, Dennis Schroeder, players like that. I think you need to have vets like that, even if you're not necessarily going to win a lot of games, just so they can kind of show the ropes of the young guys. And if you have too many, um, I, I think seven might not be enough, but once you start getting to eight, nine, where it's just like everyone's about the same age, I think that's really where you kind of, it, it kind of becomes a problem. And a question here we got from Jamil, would this be a reason to keep Eric Gordon around? As for the veteran leader in, in the locker room? Logically, yes. So Absolutely. that's why yeah. I wonder when I heard, because Mark Stein was the one who reported it, that the Rockets are looking for are willing to trade Eric Gordon for a first-round pick. I mean, that's been probably known since February, the deadline way back when in February. So is that being unrealistic to seek a first-round pick for Eric Gordon? Or it's just we don't believe we're going to get a first-round pick for Eric Gordon so he can be a veteran in the locker room and still be here for another season. But if we do happen to... If someone blinks and gives up a first-round pick for Eric Gordon, we'll take him, we'll trade him for that pick, kind of thing. Maybe it's not really um, realistic. It's more wishful thinking that the Rockets would would do it if they got a first-round pick for Eric Gordon. Can I but, throw something out? Yeah, they're one team that like I don't think most teams will give up a first-round pick for Eric Gordon, but one team that might I think could be the Grizzlies, just because I think could be. Uh, yeah, because because Ty uh, Jones may get a may get an offer from somebody else for more money. Having a veteran on, they're a young team. They'll be in the playoffs again mm -hmm. if they stay healthy. Having that veteran guard to run your second unit off the bench can be invaluable. And he's only got two years left on his contract, if I'm correct. Uh, the next well, the, the year after is, is non guaranteed. So you're non guaranteed. Yeah. Okay, yeah. but so you're not like locking in someone long term. Um, I don't know if they give up a first, but I think like if any team was to you know reach for Eric Gordon, I think it could be the Grizzlies. And that, that would make some sense. I mean, Memphis is, is, you know, on that tier of, yep, we're on the cusp of being championship good, but we need something to get us over the hump. And Eric Gordon, as a veteran, firepower off the bench, good defensive player, that, that makes some sense. What do you think, Bill? 
Uh, yeah, nineteen million. That's the thing. Is, I don't know Houston or Memphis's cap situation, but you know, is that something? You know, do they give up a first round pick for a, a one year rental, if you will? When you know they're still in that building mode as sure. well. You know, they. But I'll toss this back at you, Will. Do you think yeah. because of Memphis's winning situation, mm-hmm. Eric Gordon will probably resign with them because they he believes they have a chance to win championship if he stays there? What do you think about that? So if that's the case, why not sign him as an unrestricted free agent next year? I'm just just yeah. That's true. Well, I mean, I mean, he's got the option, well, so it's not guaranteed. Yeah. So the option is probably a, a team option for for because um, obviously, if, if it's a player option, he's going to pick it up because it's twenty million dollars. <laughs> so he's not going to turn that down. So yeah. <clears throat> and Gordon, yeah, another team that might be. Well, Andy, or I, I was going to say yeah, another team that might be in that category that that might be uh. Uh, desperate enough to make a move like that could be Utah, depending on what they decide to do. Um, if they're still going to run it back again with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, yep. Right. Okay, let's yeah. let's really toss it out there. Because Eric makes, I think, eighteen million this coming season. I'm going to be messy before we talk to, about Deshaun Watson these last 10, 15 minutes on Folk Talk of Sports here on YouTube and Twitter. Rocket fans, y'all tuning in? How about this? Eric Gordon and Pick some players to Utah, Rudy Gobert. Mm. Make the salaries work. Mm. What about that? Now, we're not reporting that, okay? We're just tossing. We're doing what many people do nationally, tossing stuff against the wall and see if what sticks. Okay, that's (laughs) that's what we're doing right now. So how about that? Eric Gordon, Jayshon Tate, make the salaries work because Rudy makes like 30 million, if not more. Rudy Gobert. That I think I think the Rockets are still a year too early for that. When I I pulled up Rudy Gobert's contract and he's <laughs> going to be under the deal for till twenty five twenty six. Well, twenty four twenty five. Then he has a player option for twenty five twenty six. I I think that's too much? risky of a move right now for thirty eight next um, year. Forty one forty three. Thirty five. Yeah. Yeah. You're seeing 38 million guaranteed, 41 million, 43, and this player option is 46 million. That's he, way too high. He exercise. He take that. You know, he yeah. turn down 46. Absolutely. <laughs> so, no, no. Okay. I, I just don't. I don't think it makes sense for the Rockets. Does it make sense for Utah? Yeah. Absolutely. I guess to shake things up, you could see that, and especially since they've run it back since what since 2018, when they've kind of had that core of, of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. There's got to be something at some point. Um, you know, the definition of insanity is doing something over and over and over again, and that's what the Jazz have done. Yeah. So, um, I think I think it's something that the Jazz could look for just to shake things up and, and see how they can build around Donovan Mitchell. I okay. Think next I mean, next big man. How about Eric Gordon and? Make the numbers you wouldn't need as much to Phoenix for DeAndre Aiden. He's about 25 million right now, you know, wanting that. That one, oh. that one, I would be the, the reason that's really iffy about that. It has to do with the way this past season ended with him in Phoenix, where that that's a little iffy now. Obviously, of course, we don't Agreed. know any of the uh, the back story to that. Um, it's obviously always two sides to the story, but then again, when you look at he's looking to get some max type of money deal as well, and you know it, he would kind of fall into the Rudy Gobert category where it's going to be a long term deal. That's what he's seeking: four year max, going or five year max, depending on um, what team signs them. I think there's too many question marks to do that right now. I don't think the Rockets are at a point where we can start building the pieces to be competitive. I think they're one year away and see with Jalen Green, what improvement he does, and then whoever they take with the third pick or whatever they do in this year's draft, see what those two do, and then you can start looking at adding a piece like that. I, I still think they're a year um, too early for that. Okay, and with Aiden, things Easy. change rapidly. It's going to be a sign and trade. Yeah. It seems like yeah. Phoenix is, is leaning toward agreeing to a sign and trade deal for DeAndre Aiden to go somewhere so he can get his money and they get something back in return for him. So Aiden here for four years, signing trade deal could be, I think it would be five years once he signs a deal with Phoenix and then is dealt to the Rockets. This would be a five-year deal here. Eric Gordon goes there. You know, why not? Because 
how many big men in next year's free agency group are as young and as talented as DeAndre. But one thing has to be addressed is the issues in Phoenix. The man has apparently issues with Monty Williams. Okay. Monty Williams is like the most respected man on earth, <laughs> you know, and especially in the basketball landscape. So if he has problems with Monty Williams, is it, you know, I mean, you just got rid of one apparent big man with issues in Christian Wood. So wouldn't you have to make sure that Mr. Aiden does not have other issues that could be problems in the locker room? Of course, if you're paying someone that much money, I mean. So we're, we're having fun tossing things out there. Mr. Gibson. Yes, sir. We're going to talk to Sean Watson in these final few minutes of uh, Folk Talking Sports here. Had a report in the Washington Post, I believe, right? The Post, Washington Post. Yeah, yeah. With the suggestions, rumors, reports that the NFL mm-hmm. is looking at possibly a one-year suspension for mm-hmm. Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson. What are your thoughts mm-hmm. on that, sir? Uh, can I tell you a secret? Just meet the three of us. No one else. Just <laughs> sure. Just it's just us. No one knows. No one knows. I've heard no suspension. I've heard the season. I heard before we came on today, a two-year suspension. Like, come on. No one knows. No one knows. It's like, As you said earlier, people throwing stuff against the wall. Let's see what sticks. No one knows. No one knows. We're waiting until the special investigator of the NFL renders her decision. Once that happens... Deshaun and his team will appeal to Commissioner Goodell, and then we'll know. Until then, no one knows. Uh, I, I wish I had something juicy, but no one knows. And, and real quick, in case anyone was new watching Folk Talking Sports, Willie Gibson is in Ohio, and he covers the Browns as part of his beat. He's, you know, he's also an alum of the Ohio State University, so he's got Ohio and the Big Ten on lock, and we're going to have more Ohio State, Big Ten, Brown stuff content from him going forward on Full Talking Sports. Can, I got a question for you, Will. I got yeah, a question for you before, before hit. Do we know yep. when the NFL is, is expected to announce whatever, the initial suspension well, for Deshaun? What, well, um, the ruling is by June 30th, uh, all of the court cases have to be filed. So I believe they're waiting until June 30th. So I would say maybe a day or two before that, or maybe even a day or two after that. So maybe first week of July is when you would hear something. Um, but last I heard, it's up to 26 uh, women, all civil. I want to emphasize that, all civil cases. He's been found uh, by two grand juries there in Texas. Uh, I don't remember the counties. I know Andy mentioned them last week. Uh, both grand juries in the two separate counties found no probable cause to proceed with criminal charges against Deshaun Watson. These are all civil, and, and these are civil cases. And it goes back to what we talked about um, all the time, um, Chris, about what we do as journalists. Are we really, are some are fans? Because there was one journalist in Cleveland, very prominent. Oh, wow. Journalist in Cleveland. Oh, he was a real prominent one. Yeah. That said, I suggest that NFL suspends Deshaun Watson indefinitely until he settles all civil cases and then brings him back for the good of the team. Mm-hmm. Okay. That isn't going to happen. Right. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, Andy, but, James, what are, your, what are your thoughts on on? possibilities of a year-long suspension or or I mean because even if whatever the NFL does Deshaun and his people are going to appeal mm-hmm. like as soon as they can <laughs> so whatever is handed out first will be appealed and then will Andy James whoever knows does the appeal go back to Roger Goodell directly or does it go back to the arbitrator it goes directly to Commissioner Goodell Okay, so whatever. Then yeah, we're just gonna have to wait. <laughs> so yeah, 
Now, and mind you, some of some of the appeal information has been reported that Deshaun's team is working on, and their point is simply: Roger Goodell's mantra is protect the shield, protect the shield. We don't want any player to do anything to damage the shield. But then, in the next breath, he also says, owners and team personnel, front office personnel, are held to a higher standard. Well, Deshaun's team is simply going to report Robert Kraft in his uh, reported incident the day, the morning of the AFC Championship game in, in 2019. They're going to report Dan Snyder and the incidents, numerous incidents that yes, he's had. The, the long list. The long incidents. list. Yes. And they're also going to break up Mr. Jerry Jones and the situation he had with the young lady um, that he paid her and her mother to not disclose paternity. As owners who have had incidents in which the league has not disciplined. So. Andy, what do you say? I can see Will's argument, but um, then also it's kind of it's a little iffy, uh, especially with the new committee that that's kind of kind of be implemented to see with with the um, that's going to oversee the suspension, whatever they end up handing down to Deshaun Watson. And like I said last week, I think that whatever comes out initially, I think the NFL is going to lean in to more of a of a pretty tough punishment. Um, is it the full season? I could see that, especially. It's just so tricky because it's a lot of he said, she said at the moment. Like uh, Will said, there were two different uh, DAs, both in, in Harris County and Brazoria County here in, in, in um, around the Houston area that didn't find enough evidence for Deshaun Watson to be held on probable cause of any of those cases. Um, but at the end of the day, the damage is done, even, even with the New York Times article where they said he visited 66 different massage a therapist just in a span of what 17 months um the public perception isn't good whatsoever and at the end of the day it, it it's just so absurd because the nfl is kind of in that role of yeah we this wasn't enough crime but from our investigation you probably did something that it's like you said it's kind of damaging the shield so maybe we'll hand this and then whatever the appeal process is maybe it goes down after that well what are you gonna say Let's ask what's the question. So let's say he's suspended. Probably high probability he'll be suspended. And he said he'd be punished with a suspension. And then I'm not coming at you. It's just seriously just conversation. What is he being punished? What is the suspension for? He had, he's been found not liable by two grand juries. 26 women are suing him. They've asked him to settle. He's chosen to clear his name. So what would the suspension be for? Because someone said he did something. You know, at I mean, that point, you'd have to you'd have to argue that they found something. I guess the suspension would have to be that he put himself in a position where he was making uh, people uncomfortable. And what uh, the his lawyer, his attorney said on, on a local radio station in Houston, uh, Rusty Harden. Where I mean, at the end of the day, they their argument isn't that they were. They're, you know, they're clean. They didn't do anything. The argument is they didn't do anything illegal, which mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, that's true. And that, that's avoiding off criminal um, criminal cases. The, the problem is he probably did stuff where he was um, who I, I believe it was Marcellus Wiley, uh, Marcellus Wiley that put it on FS1. And I probably shouldn't say this on this show, but at the end of the day, he, he called Deshaun Watson a professional freak, which um <clears throat> no comment on that, but at the end of the day, that, that's why he would get suspended for, for putting himself in a situation that, um, yeah, technically he didn't do anything wrong, but he he probably should know better, especially being a, a face of a franchise um, at the time at the quarterback position where um, at the end of the day, I'm, technically it's not illegal, but it's not. That doesn't make it right, for, for lack of a better phrase. It's, it's moral turpitude. If that's in his contract, something like that, that's, that's what they could argue. James, you, you got a, want something to say about this as we wrap it up here? I mean, my, my stance really hasn't changed much since when we talked about it last week or two weeks ago, whenever I still don't, they might, the initial suspension might come down for a year. I don't think it will 
last just because like wills hit on if it was criminal this would be a lot different um i think it's hard to you know go through you know go through with this fully when, when it's you know he said versus she said um stuff regardless of who's right because it's harder to you know like will's point right there what are you suspending him for if nothing you can't prove he did anything illegal it's i i think that would be hard to suspend him for a whole year not saying not trying to defend what he did or didn't do but just like from you know looking looking in on it from the outside i think it would be really hard and on that note we're going to wrap it up so going with the guy who uh got the nba finals prediction correct out of this foursome james mueller how can folks find you on social media sir yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at JDM2186 and all my works at thedailycougar.com. And you got anything in the pipeline this week? For, athletics? Uh, I have a few different things uh, in terms of just like some off-season stuff, some facility stuff. Um, but I don't know when exactly it will come out. We're, we're trying to put together our big, like, it's this big magazine called The First Roar that goes out to all these freshmen. We're in the middle of putting all those together. So I have, like, 10 different stories I got to sort of organize. I'm not sure exactly when they'll come out. But um, there's there's a few different things in the works. But, um, yeah. Great. And uh, just off the top of my head, uh, I checked before we started today's show. Last year, the Cougs basketball team, men's team, did not – announced their non-conference schedule in its entirety until August. Okay, bits and pieces we knew about, like we know UH will go to Virginia this season because it, it hosted Virginia last season, so it's part of the, the contract. We don't know a lot more details about other non-con matchups, but last year, as an example, the entire non-conference schedule was not announced until August last year. Mr. Gibson, how can folks find yes, you on the internet, sir? You can find me on the internet on uh, Twitter and as well as Instagram at WillGibson7. Uh, they're on the bottom of your screen on the ticker, as well as Will Knows on Facebook. And Yanez, you, sir? Yes, sir. They can follow me on Twitter at Ayanez underscore five. And um, also check out our podcast at Podslama Jam on Twitter. That's at P A W D S L A M A J A M A on Twitter and also be sure to check us out on YouTube. Uh, we're seeing growth in our video podcast, which is really good to see. And as always, we're always looking for sponsors for both this show, Pastime and Jamma, and that's for each group. Yes, we are looking for sponsors. Uh, I got news to share about Andy. We, we got one for football and basketball. Mm -hmm. We'll announce that going forward once football season starts. We got one in pipeline working on it some more going forward. We're trying to grow and, and Continue to provide content for our fans and family members, as I call them. Refer to everybody's family here on, on these shows. So thank you very much for that. I am Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Bar Review. You see me on Twitter. Twitter account is the, some say the, HR Review, T-H-E-H-R-R-E-V-I-E-W. And I'm going to wrap it up as I touched on it yesterday on my Let's Talk Houston Rockets. Um, if you don't know, you haven't seen it on Twitter or YouTube, Facebook, whatever. My mom, Elizabeth Gardner, passed away on June 15th at 10.15 in the morning. We're going to have our funeral services this Wednesday, June 22nd. Uh, my mom's health is the main reason why I started the Houston Round Bar Review. I did it to have as much time to take care of her as possible um, <clears throat> because of all the issues she had dealt with medically. I basically took care of my mom, my entire adult life. So it's a different chapter of my life now without my mom here, but going forward with all the support from a whole bunch of people, church family, people on Twitter, YouTube family. It's been really gratifying to, to get phone calls and text messages and emails and I appreciate all your support going forward. But uh, it's my goal to make her proud uh, to continue and, and do bigger and better for the Houston Round Bar Review going forward. So um, that's my goal to keep going and, and do that. So guys, thank you very much. Will, once again, once again, happy Father's Day to you. Happy Father's Day to all the dads, my dad as well. Uh, my dad and mom divorced when I was five, but my dad has been there with me these last few days uh, preparing arrangements for my mom's services. So that's been really appreciated. So 
it's all part of the cycle of life and I'll, I'll be okay. You know, I'm a ball like a baby come Wednesday at the funeral or cemetery, but so what? That's part of my love for my mom. But uh, thank you very much, guys, for everything you've done for me and uh, going forward, because we, we got big plans this season. So everybody stay tuned for that and keep watching it, us on Folks Talk Sports on Twitter, on the Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube. And until next Sunday, take care.